So first, let me say that I bring you greetings from the United Church of Christ on behalf of your siblings in faith, who, like you, are sitting today in churches across the Commonwealth and the country, seeking to know the will of God. And having said the script that I'm required to say, <laughs> let me say this is cool. It is really nice to be here in this beautiful space and be looking at your beautiful faces. I wish you could see what I see. Will you join with me in prayer? We have gathered here in these pews like those across the commonwealth and country, God. We came here today for something. And you brought us here today for something. So somewhere amidst the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, let your spirit whisper your love, your wisdom, your truth. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ninety years without slumbering, tick, tock, tick, tock. His life's seconds numbering, tick, tock, tick, tock. It stopped short, never to go again when the old man died. When I was a child, a grandchild, I remember this song. Its melody and story have stuck with me for many years. It is a grandchild's story. The clock was purchased on the morning of the birth of his grandfather, and it had worked perfectly for 90 long years, requiring only to be wound at the end of each week. Loyal to the clock, the clock loyal to the people. And yet the clock seemed to eerily know good and bad and pivot moments in the life of the grandfather. It rang 24 chimes when the grandfather brought home his bride as a young couple to the house. And there, near his death, at the end of his life, it rang an eerie alarm they had never heard before, but recognized as a call to gather at his bedside. As a grandfather near death, they gathered and said farewell. And the clock stopped, never to go again, when the old man died. So about 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago now, at the early time in my life and marriage with my wife, we were out visiting her family in Seattle, and we came across a yard sale. And there at the yard sale was this beautiful old, old antique mantel clock. Unable to resist our impulses, we bought that clock and we shipped it back across the coast from the west coast to the east, put it on the mantel, wound it up, and it would not run. <laughs> For 35 years, it has sat on that mantel collecting dust and not running. We would wind it, we would, ring, we would push the pendulum, it would sling for a while, and then it would stop. So finally, about a year ago, for my wife's birthday, I figured I'd go in a week before her birthday. I found a clocksmith just down the street. I thought I would get the clock repaired. He said it would be about six weeks, so her birthday present became an anniversary present. 
And he said it will cost about $300 to repair this old mantel clock that I'd bought for $25. (laughs) I thought, well, that's okay. I love my wife. It's a birthday, it's an anniversary, and this is an antique clock. It's got to be worth something. So I said to him, once we get it repaired, how much will the clock be worth? He said, oh, about $150. (laughs) And then he said something that caught my attention. He said, they used to be worth a lot more. But the younger generations, they don't want the old stuff anymore. That's a dilemma that we're facing in our churches. The generations coming are not interested in taking over the church that we have loved and nurtured and crafted for many years that we have received from generations before us. They are interested in crafting an experience of authentic community, personal meaning-making, impacting the world around them, and discovering encounters with God. And they don't think they'll find that in the old church. And there's a reason for that. I want to share with you a revised version of a story that I'll encourage you to look up. It's by Kate Braestrup, B-R-A-E-S-T-R-U-P. She shared this story on Moth Radio, and it's called The Blessing. Kate is a game warden up in Maine. She has the job that I would have loved to have had. I studied wildlife management, what is today environmental science. I would have loved to have been a warden or a chaplain. She says most of our work as a warden in the woods is really helping people who are lost and dealing with people who have violated some of the policies of the state parks and state forests. But we are sworn police units, and we respond to any crime, any time which is how she found herself one night in the truck with the game warden heading to the scene of a crime. It appears that in this particular crime, domestic violence had occurred and there had been significant violence in the house. She arrived to see people in grief and stress as they went about collecting evidence in dealing with the crime. And she thought to herself, I think prayer might be helpful in this moment. So she spoke to the medical doctor on staff and said, you know, as you bring the people out one by one, I'd like to be able to say a prayer over them. He says, fine. He knew her well. He, they knew each other. Maine's a small place. So the first person comes out, and the doctor yells and says, all right, everybody, Kate's going to pray. And Kate raises her hand and begins to lower it down upon the head of the person. When the doctor says, you know... That's the bad guy. Kate's hand paused for a second. People noticed it, and they all said to her later, we did wonder what you were going to pray, because our thought was, sorry, you're on your own. And Kate says that's when a thought struck her. So had we found it, had we found the threshold at which love stops, had we found the threshold at which love stops. It would appear, as we talk to those beyond our walls, those spiritual but not religious, those members of the community who have a deep and abiding faith and curiosity and longing for the holy, but are not interested in religious institutions, 
They often say to us, we believe the church is often a place where there is a threshold at which love stops. You see a little glimmer of that in the gospel lesson this morning. Jesus has disciples who have been with him for a long time. They know how he has gone out into the world, how he has dealt with different people. But here in this moment, they have a question. Do you remember what the question was? Can we sit at your right and your left hand? I love how they phrase it. Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And Jesus is pretty smart. He says, hmm, I see a setup when it's coming. What do you, what do you want me to do? We want you to give us a chance to sit at your right and your left hand, just like so many people. We want God to provide for us stability and security and strength and assurance to keep us safely secure within our comfort zones because sometimes there's a threshold at which love stops. In our tradition, in our faith, we encounter a very unique expression of God. God's revelation, God's presence has been felt and encountered all over the world, all throughout time by many different religions, many different faiths, many different perspectives, all of whom have a story. We have a unique story about our God, and you see it in the prophet Isaiah this morning. We have a God who came to us in the presence of Jesus, who wasn't content to just sit safely on that throne, omnipotent in power and in wisdom and in knowledge, chooses instead to come down in human form, but not just any human form, comes down as a vulnerable, helpless, dependent child to an unwed mother in one of the poorest families, a social marginalized person. God chooses to enter the world in that place of vulnerability and uncertainty and then lives a life that embodies the suffering servant of Isaiah who was born our infirmities, carried our diseases, who was inflicted, wounded, hurt, damaged, broken, in order to bring healing into the world. That is your God. That is your Jesus. Divinity captured and embodied in sacrifice and in surrender, the one who crosses every threshold into the messiness of the world, placing hands upon the damage and the dirt and the struggles. Is there a threshold at which love stops? See, people don't think our churches will do that. They think that we are more concerned with preserving and maintaining the institution. They think we only care about getting more people in the pews and pledges in the plate so that we can have that security and comfort and familiarity. They think we want them to come into our churches and learn how we do things around here so that we can then let them take over for us as long as they don't take too much power and too much charge. And they are done with that. Let the clock stop, never to go again, when the old man dies. And it will, if we don't cross that threshold. So you are doing some great things here. You have a very clear sense of identity, vision, and purpose. That's one of the pieces I do with our conferences, work with churches on vision. So let me test you. There are five elements of your vision and purpose. Can you tell me what they are? Kent's watching. 
Amy's watching. Exalting in worship. Deepening Christian faith. Gathering in community. Stretching into justice. I'm impressed. You have warmed my heart. When I teach visioning to churches, I say, I want to come into a church someday and ask them, can you name, I usually say three things, not five, but that'll be okay with today. Can you name what they are? And most people just give me a blank face saying, we have no idea what the mission statement of our church is. You have named it. You are doing great things. But God keeps calling us, even in the great things, is there a threshold at which love stops? Those beyond our walls are longing for what you do. They're longing for exalting. They're longing for deepening faith. They're longing for gathering in authentic and caring community, which is so exemplified here. They're longing for people who really will stretch beyond the threshold into the messiness of the world. Can you tell them that story? Can you share with them that story? And can you look within yourself to find where God is calling you, even you, beyond your thresholds? into that place beyond which love can never stop. I trust you can do that. I trust you have the capacity to move beyond those thresholds, and I trust you will be an example for all of us, because if you can't, and if we can't, then that clock will stop, never to go again when the old one dies. Let us pray. God of glory and power and that one who has spun the stars into place and crafted the cosmos around us and yet knows the falling of every single sparrow and counts every hair upon our head, you are the one so embodied and surrounded and wrapped in glory and majesty and yet you came to us across the threshold into vulnerability and sacrifice to remind us that that is the place in vulnerability and sacrifice, that we encounter your grace and love and make it real in the world. Help us to live as you lived. In the name of the one who taught us that, amen.